When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Powerhouse Fitness Newcastle, your home fitness store where you can save up to 50% off home fitness equipment in their biggest ever sale. Visit your local Newcastle store on Percy Street or visit www.powerhouse-fitness.co.uk. Now, let's get on with the show. I'm Andrew Musgrove and today joined by Newcastle United editor Mark Douglas and Newcastle writer Chris Woff and some positive news. Um, for once on the transfer market, uh, Kennedy looks like he's about to sign. Um, no, now look, he will sign as we are doing this podcast. But every signing is a good signing, Chris. Um, spotted outside. Every signing is a good signing. <laughs> spotted outside the training ground just a matter of hours ago. Obviously, he was on the train up to Newcastle last night. Um, he's one Benitez has wanted for quite a while. Yeah, well, here we are, January twenty third, and finally it looks like Newcastle are going to break that duck of bringing in a player they've needed players all month. With three days past Benitez's self-imposed deadline, and yet here we are, just about to confirm the first signing. But it is a positive. Benitez has wanted him for a long time since the summer. The deal's really been in place. If you're waiting on Chelsea, getting in a replacement, Palmieri's arriving there, and that is allowed and it's freeing up Kennedy to go. I think they're going to wait for that one to basically be ratified before Kennedy will be ratified. But hopefully, it's something positive at the moment. He's on Tyneside. We've brought you pictures of that. He's been to the training ground, been to Benton, uh, undergoing his medical, and hopefully no complications in that. And I think he's he's a good sign, he's a decent sign, and versatile, which is what Benitez wants. Gives them different options to what they currently have in terms of someone who can play anywhere down the left-hand side, potentially even as a wing-back. Um, and just the fact that A, it's a potty to begin with, it is a positive, and B, it is, is quite exciting, raw but quite exciting, and hopefully... Rafa Benitez can improve him and get the best out of him. I suppose one question that fans are asking Mark is where Kennedy actually fits into the system because Dummett has impressed since he's come back from injury. Um, you know, the likes of Atu Murphy have all had their, their good performances, especially Murphy in the last few weeks. Where does Kennedy fit into the system? Will he be like a, a wing back? Will he be a winger? Well, I mean, it, I think the versatility is the, the actual key to that because it gives Rafa a bit of tactical flexibility that he hasn't had before. I think they've played with five at the back. They've played with three at the back this season, or at times they've tried to anyway. But they haven't really had the players who, who can play that way. The good thing about Kennedy is he's a kind of, you know, he, we tend in this country to, to say players play in a certain position because that's how we're kind of brought up. That's our football culture. But Kennedy's obviously got the ability to probably play in a number of roles. Um, you know, he's defensively minded, I suppose, in, in some ways, but he's also quick. Um, skillful and can get and can get up and down the wings, which gives Newcastle a bit of a bit of an ability to go away from home and maybe play a little bit more uh, counter attack, which obviously they haven't been able to do quite so well. Um, although they have done that, they have done that okay. But you know, it's a different kind of option. But they can also do it at home, and they've got some pretty big teams to come play at home as well. So it gives them that option. And I think Rafa will be really um, satisfied. I don't think he'll be. Um, I don't think it'll be a question of him jumping for joy because I think he probably knows the players. 
limited uh, first team experience and although he's got all the talent in the world he's yet to prove it anywhere he's been so Rafa will be very aware of the guy's limitations and you know he he knows that just like with Manquillo he knows that these players aren't fully formed kind of Premier League ready players I mean Chelsea are getting Palmieri who's a international £20 million player and they're sending a player who's hardly played for them at all to Newcastle so you guys have got a lot more work to do on this but um, because he's versatile and I think Rafa knows he needs that I think that's why he'll be happy but um, I wouldn't expect him to see him coming in for Dummett but of course Dummett could then go and play centre-half as well because he's he's shown before that he can play play there as well so it gives Newcastle a load of different options I think moving into um, the end of the season Just a nice kind of confidence boost for the fans I guess that someone is actually coming through the door because over the past few weeks it's been waiting and waiting and we, we knew Kennedy was one of the top targets you know was one of the targets in the summer um, so what will that arrival do do you think for the fans feeling and also the squad to see an actual new face come through the door well because it's one that really has been in the offing for quite a while I'm not sure how much optimism this will bring for, for future business I mean from what we're led to believe from what we're told Mike Ashley has signed off what Rafa Benitez wants to do in the last few days of the window, which is to try and bring in three, four, ten to even five, but I'd say three or four players really, who he can get in and bolster his squad. Kennedy's the first of them. Really, that one has been in place for a while and it's just been waiting on Chelsea. I think that that one, from the Newcastle point of view, has been done and would have been done earlier if it wasn't for Chelsea waiting to, to sign another player. In terms of other other additions, Newcastle certainly working hard, Rafa Benitez is to try and bring in others. and. So fans can be hopeful that it is a busy last week of the window and I think that we are going to see business not just from Newcastle but elsewhere and that should have some sort of a domino effect because there'll be a lot of loan deals going on, a few players here and there who clubs will decide they don't need and, and a bit more receptive to sell and maybe two weeks ago they won't. So hopefully Newcastle will make sure they're very much in the centre of that and that two, three, four more players do arrive as well. Of course, Kennedy's arrival then rules out the possibility of Another arrival from Chelsea on loan, like Bashwari, who many fans would have loved to have seen come through the door. He's not in fear there, but obviously Kennedy's arrival puts that one to bed. Yeah, I think it was always a, it was a player Newcastle looked at in the summer, and I think there was always a tentative interest still held there. But really, I think they realised that, that one, if he leaves Chelsea, it's unlikely to be to go to Newcastle. He's probably going to go abroad. Sevilla are meant to be heavily interested. I mean, he even played last weekend. Um, but it looks like Jekyll's going to come in and so Batshuayi will go elsewhere but it, it won't be to Newcastle unless there were to agree a permanent deal which would be significant, significant money far beyond the, the mystery striker that we're talking about now because I think Chelsea paid £30 million for him in the first place and I don't think they'll be looking for anything less than that so yeah, it does limit the other options they can bring in from Chelsea on loan I suppose they could look at a couple of permanent deals but I think they are looking elsewhere and Benitez wouldn't be ratifying this deal if he thought it was affecting his chances of getting another player, so I think he just knew from the start that's right, he wasn't really a goer. So you're telling me David Louise isn't going to sign? We'll get on to this mystery striker. Um, of course, there's a lot of speculation all over Twitter. And um, one thing I do want to ask some more. Obviously, Benitez said that he was told three weeks ago, two, three weeks ago about the, the Stavely deal, Man of mm-hmm. deal not happening, and um, there wouldn't be no takeover. Um, why is it taking this long then to get the ball rolling in transfers? Because Three weeks is a long time, especially in the January transfer. Well, I mean, this is the kind of the the, the juxtaposition, really, of, of Mike Ashley, isn't it? That, that that we've been told by Ashley how many times that he doesn't he doesn't have play a role in the club, but 
it, he clearly does because when he comes back from holiday, as, as has happened this week, he came back kind of and got himself back involved with his businesses and Newcastle United as well. And him being away seems to have held things up. I mean, Simon Bird, and I know you had a very good podcast the other week where you talked about the kind of congestion at the top at Newcastle. And, um, you know, I think my take on it was that Rafa was communicating with um, Justin Barnes, Lee Charnley at one point, and it looked like that was in that that was a problem for Newcastle because they, you know, they, although they're senior members of staff, I think, you know, their remit is is not, you know, they don't have free reign to just sign off on huge chunks of of spending in in the transfer window, you know. And you saw in the summer that, that Mike Ashley stuck to his guns and said, no, you know, I've we, we agreed a plan, and that's what that's what we're going to go with it. That's what he thought anyway. Rafa thought something different. Um, what's happened this time, I think, is that Mike Ashley's come back, assessed the situation, probably. Um, assessed what's happening with the takeover, which is, you know, at the moment dead in the water, completely dead in the water. Newcastle telling us that they're not going to do a deal with Amanda Staveley, despite what Amanda Staveley's people are saying and what she herself has said now as well. So he's probably looking at it and thinking, well, we need to shore up our Premier League status here, so we have to take a risk. And I think it's probably just a case of him coming back off holiday, seeing where the team are, seeing what they need and looking at it and looking at it that way. And it really is a case of, you know, we've been imploring him for weeks and weeks and weeks for the penny to drop. And I'm loath to sort of praise Mike Ashley too much because I know that gets you a lot of stick. But if it has happened that he's come and said, okay, what Rafa, you, what you want, we will do. And obviously we'll know more in, in a week's time. And I'm still cynical about it all as well, as a, as a lot of people are as well. And we'll see what, what comes out in the wash. But if he has done that, you have to give him credit because what we've told, what we've said is pay attention to the situation and it feels like that's what's happened. The um, communication lines being open between Rafa and Mike Ashley is nothing new. There was a conference call before um, before Christmas, I believe, um, and it now looks as if that that line of communication is open again. And, it, it, and, and it's just, I think it's probably more to do with the fact that the, the takeover situation in, in Mike Ashley's mind has been shelved for now. Um, because it looked in December, at the start of December, as if that was, if, as if it was going to happen, and they were getting somewhere with the negotiations. But it, it's a grinding halt has been brought to that because Mike Ashley and Amanda Staveley are so different, and I think that has prompted this rethink from Mike Ashley. Um, okay, let's get round, let's get, let's get to business. Let's try and shore up Premier League survival and, and talk about the takeover in a few weeks' time. And of course, the TV deal is massive for that takeover now. Um, um, so, I think it's probably. It's probably down to Mike Ashley because we know that he, he is, the, although he says, and he's, he's gone on record in court saying he doesn't have much of an impact on what happens at Newcastle United. I just think he does. I think he's the most important person at the football club apart from Rafa in terms of um, making policy decisions. Um, Lee Charney's very senior member of staff, but, uh, you know, he's he has to get things signed off by, uh, by Mike Ashley at the end of the day because he is the... The, uh, the the most important person in Newcastle. Chris, this twenty million pound striker that we've reported on, um, no one knows quite who it is just yet. But it's a big statement, isn't it, to go out and spend that money? However, you do, if you do look at previous players over the past kind of year who've gone for around about that money, it's not going to buy you a, a top class striker, is it? Well, you wouldn't have thought so if if you just look at the, the money on the face of it. What we don't know is the 
some sort of release clause and whoever it is is there's someone coming close to the end of their contract which will bring down value as well unless you're Alexis Sanchez in which case it seems to increase the value ever further um, and well, I mean, we don't, as we say the identity isn't there so it, all of these things are hard to work out the, it's a, the 20 million rated is, is more from the opposite club Newcastle have gone in with a lower bid uh, about 13 million and, and they're looking to come to some sort of potential compromise so it might not be up to 20 million you would expect they're going to have to break the transfer record if it is going to happen though so that would suggest it's going to be more than 16 million yeah the, the names that, that have gone for that sort of price in the, in the last six to eight months probably haven't been uh, the sort of players you'd say definitely will come in and guarantee goals but I suppose you can look at someone like uh, Javier Hernandez was sold for 16 million last summer Yes, it hasn't quite worked for him, but that at the time seemed like a good deal. If Newcastle can get that sort of a deal for a player, if it's if it's from a foreign league, you can have concerns about them coming in and can they hit the ground running in the Premier League, but at the same time you might get better value for money. Could be someone from a team who in a lower division who has scored a lot of goals and, and you're paying for youth or, or potential and again you're taking a bit of risk, or it could be an experienced player who's sitting on the bench somewhere and getting the game time once it come in. As I say, all of this is ifs, buts and maybes at the moment. And it's hard to really set a price and, and think about what a £20 million striker would look like in the current market when we don't know, as of yet, that the identity hasn't come out as to who it is. So I understand the scepticism, I understand the cynical, uh, why people are cynical about the whole situation, but we'll see this time next week if it, I think Newcastle are looking at that, plus other options, so there are backup options. Uh, the likelihood of bringing in strikers on loan that's what they've been asking for most of the month but there are do, certainly is does seem to be a mood change behind the scenes because of, as of a couple of weeks ago what we're hearing was it'll be a loan sign if anyone at all mm. now there is the potential that it could be a permanent sign and so they're, they're exploring that avenue and it's just a case of waiting and seeing now yeah. Is there any names that you pop in your head obviously the names that have been mentioned from the start of Giants, Slomani, Ings yeah. Sturridge but obviously Liverpool asking a huge yeah. amount of money um, well it's not Kevin Gamero. Um, it's probably not. I don't think it is. I think people were talking about Celtic. The guy at Celtic, Moussa Dembele. It's not him. Um, it's. I, I'm interested in the Real Sociedad. Willian Jose. His name that was floated in the summer. Sandra Ramirez of Everton, who hasn't played much for them, is another person who Rafa was interested in. He's spinning a lot of plates and. It wouldn't surprise me if it was somebody with a Spanish connection um, and, and a player who's played there and, and has a you know and, ha- and has maybe some knowledge of the Premier League. Um, it, the, the thing is, with you know, talk about a twenty million pound player, and it obviously it obviously is you know big, but but Britta Sombolonga was fifteen million, was yeah, it? Yeah, Chris Wood, Chris Wood, fifteen million. Chris Wood was fifteen million. Um, so you know, it's it, you know, you have to kind of keep. Keep it under, you know. If you're going to talk about Premier League player, I don't think you're going to get much for 20 million. Um, you know, people have said Troy Deeney, but I don't think I don't think there's anything there. Um, I, I know he's the kind of player that Newcastle, you know, Rafa was kind of interested in a bit. He need, he felt he needed a, a bit of a presence there at one point, and they were looking at kind of Andy Carroll even in the summer transfer window. But I don't think if he's got one player to bring in, if he's got one type of player to bring in, it'll be more of. A kind of you know more of a sort of an intelligent player with a bit of movement rather than a presence rather than a, somebody who's massively good in the air. I think that's what he's that's what he's ideally looking for. I mean, you see, 
He's got Jocelyn who wins balls, is willing. He doesn't need somebody like that. He needs somebody who's got a bit of intelligence. The thing that he's talked to us about, me and Chris sat with him in the, the last international break and he talked about you know, his team's having a, a brain. And what he meant by that was a player who you know, kind of takes it on himself. And he, what he meant by that was like a, you know, probably a midfielder, but also a striker who's got that intelligence to make the runs. You know, it, at championship level, that was Dwight Gale. You know, he knew that Dwight Gale was going to, it would be harder for him coming into the, the Premier League and, and, you know, it has proved that way because of the way things have gone. But he, he'll want somebody with a bit of that intelligence, a bit of that movement, a bit of technique. So I think Troy Deeney doesn't really fit the bill there for me because he's more of a sort of, you know, rumbunctious kind of big striker who will, you know, ruffle a few feathers and stuff. And I think he would want a player like that. Um, but, you know, they're going to have to stick to the, the blueprint as well. Um, Rafa, you know, the Gamero link was interesting and obviously it was driven by agents in Spain. But 30 years old, they're not going to spend £16 million on a 30-year-old. They're not going to do that, I don't think, because, you know, there's no resale value there at all. And you think if they get relegated, they're lumped with that player. Um, so it has to fit in with the business plan. And that's what Rafa's always done that. You know, he's, he's never really, I don't think, gone in and said... I want a 31-year-old international who's worth 40 million or something like that because he just knows that that's not going to happen. And, you know, he, want, he likes working with younger players anyway. So I think somebody probably under 26, 27 maybe, um, it'll be somebody with a bit of technique, maybe Spanish. You know, we don't have a name at the moment. Um, it, it's not my story. So I, I, mean, I feel like I kind of, you know, I'm, I don't want to sort of say too much about like the, the names and things, but... Um, as Chris said, you know, from the gloomy prognosis of a few weeks ago, it was only about 10 days ago when it looked as if it was going to be a real struggle to get anybody in. And now it feels like there is at least a bit of um, momentum behind them to actually go out and get somebody. And that's what we were asking for. So that's a positive. But like Chris said, I'm not surprised that people are feeling a little bit cynical about it because we've been here before. Sado Barahino two years ago, um, they didn't get, they've tried for a few players in January who they haven't got and my worry with this is and I don't want to inject any negativity into it is that doing a big deal like this is complicated it's hard Newcastle under pressure haven't done too many of these kind of deals before they, they did really well in 2015 or 2014 2015 in terms of getting a few players through the door but the striker they didn't manage to get so let's hope that they can kind of negotiate that deal um understand the cynicism um, little bit bored of reading people telling us it's Keith Bishop and Nashley's lies because it's just, just not right at all in this case I'll tell you now it's coming more from the Rafa end I think than it is from the Newcastle end I think Newcastle would prefer to just not have any publicity at all around the transfer window and bring players in because um, they know that there's a backlash if stuff's out there and it, and it doesn't come out and it doesn't get done but Rafa applying a nice bit of pressure again um, because if it's out there that they're looking to do some business then there's a bit of pressure on them to do some business so that would be my take on it not knowing the exact source of any stories but that has ha- is definitely how it has worked in the past Rafa's end like to put well Rafa himself likes to put a bit of pressure on doesn't he so um, you know I think people are getting it wrong if they think it's you know purely out there to kind of keep people amused for the next week and prevent um, prevent kind of uh, what was it protests and things that's ridiculous anyway because it wouldn't you know, why would a rumour that doesn't end up coming true um, why would that pacify supporters <laughs> it wouldn't at all would it but it's just interesting to see about come from with, with Rafa himself 
Friday's press conference was strange because I think all of us journalists turned up there thinking, look, he's now one day away from his self-imposed deadline. He's going to ramp things up here and he's going to there's going to be a message to Mike Ashley which is going to sound negative. And it was actually the complete opposite and there was almost a sort of revision of the last few weeks that he's he's, he's been basically saying, I don't know, my budget, blah, 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 this, that. And then on Friday, he was just like, oh, it doesn't, it's not, it's never been about budget, it's not about budget, it's about this. And, oh, I spoke to Mike before Christmas and it was great. And he, he told us before he spoke to Mike before Christmas and he's like, I spoke to Mike again this week and he's reiterated the points. And it was, you got the sense then that, that Rafa thinks something's changed because the way that he was was yeah. completely different now he'd been. And as I say, he'd almost, there was almost some revisionism in, in terms of what he'd said for the previous few weeks. And, and then again on, on Saturday after the game when he was asked about transfers, he was saying he expects things to happen this week. And to one, to, to a certain extent, you think he's saying that to ramp up the pressure on Mike Ashley as well as to say, look, we need things to happen. But also, it seemed to be genuine. It seemed to be the belief things are going to happen and Kennedy is coming through so that at least one thing is happening. But the, the, there seems to have been a mood change even with Rafa and he thinks mm. something's changed as well, which I think is crucial. That, and that's the key point, isn't it, there? Like, I mean, you know, look, fans have chosen their side with a lot of the, the issues around Newcastle United and Rafa they always choose Rafa's side and that's completely understandable and I, I would always choose Rafa's side as well but let's not pretend that either him or Amanda Staveley who's the other person that I think people have chosen her side as well let's not pretend that they're not as cute as the cynicism that they're aiming at Newcastle United and saying Newcastle United always brief this Newcastle United always brief this they do yeah they do but Rafa's very political as well and is is weaponising us in the media and is weaponising the fans as Amanda Staveley is and you know I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that I think it's a good thing because it shows how powerful he is and it shows that he's he's agitating and, and, and all of that as well but you know he he's prepared to, to play the game as well as it were so you know it, it shouldn't be that one person spins and it's that's wrong spin is wrong and then if another person does it, oh, well, spin's okay now. It's like, look, you have to, as journalists, we listen to all sides of it and put it out there or we kind of will say with a safety warning, this is where it's come from or whatever. And that's all you can do. You know, that's all you can do. And at the moment, you take the view that the temperature has changed because there's several people saying it. And, you know, that's the way it seems to be. But as Chris said, you know, if Rafa is saying it himself, and he's prepared sometimes, I think, to, to take a few steps towards saying, you know, towards creating a problem and then take a few steps back and say, actually, no, no, that's not a problem. But he's kind of forced that change of viewpoint himself. So, you know, Rafa's kind of used the gay, used it a little bit, you know, used the media and used the fans well, I think, to probably extricate the promises that he's had now from, from Mike Ashley. And, you know, look, I will say this, in the summer... He didn't get the promises and they didn't come through. I don't think it's that Mike Ashley in the summer promised him something after the first initial meeting that did, then didn't happen because he was they were consistent all the way through the summer. This is the budget and this is what you're getting. And that's why Rafa was so annoyed and that's why nothing happened because Mike Ashley just wasn't prepared to take a step back. Whereas I think now it feels like there has been that. And now it's down to Lee Charmley and you know agents and whoever to, to go out and do the business. and. I hope they do. I really hope they do because I feel like we've talked too much about all of this frustration and they haven't got enough and, you know, there's been so many things. Every time they lose, it's they haven't got enough players and they haven't got good enough players. I'd like to see what Rafa can do with the squad that he wants. 
So let's just hope it happens and, and, and move on, you know. Are we optimistic? I don't know. I suppose I'll see you three guys. I am 50-50 at this point. Chris, go on. Uh, that Newcastle survive, is this, this, this. No, the Newcastle sign, sign awesome. the players that Rafa wants. Um, I think they'll make three signings. Uh, I'm, I am, as of yet, sceptical as to whether the record deal is going to be broken, but I think they will sign a striker of some description. You see, I'm not that confident. But three includes Kennedy, by the way. So three, okay, so it's okay. I'm not he wants four, doesn't he? Yeah. We've been there before, like last year with Townsend, you know, that... Rafa felt that deal was pretty mm. much along the way. It was you know he wanted him back, and it was kind of it was going to happen. And then we got to the final day, you know, and it didn't happen. So we've been here before where fan talks have been boosted by what Rafa has been saying. What you know we all reported with you know what Rafa was saying, and it's I think skepticism is more than fair from the fans. Three, including Kennedy, I'm not that optimistic. I think Kennedy and maybe a, a loan strike I'm, I'm still sceptical over the mm. 20 million pound strike the, coming in the one thing you would say is when they have done January business it's been when he's been worried about getting relegated the, the 20 everybody talks about 2014 2015 when they spent a lot of money in that January window but don't forget that they also did business in 2012, 2013 2013 um, Suzoko Debushi Gufran and Haidara came in um, and that was really significant business that they basically brought forward from the summer to keep them up, basically, which worked. Um, they didn't do business under Carver because it was felt we've got enough to stay up, which proved very a close thing, but it did happen. And then last summer, when last winter, sorry, when um, they felt like they were, Mike Ashley took the view, I think, with encouragement from other people at the club that they'd already done enough and they didn't need to do any more. Where Rafa's point of view was, like I said, Townsend and Loftus Cheek were, could have been negotiated in terms of having them on board for this season, and um, yeah, so I mean that 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 would be the context. I would say is look, you know, I think he knows they're in they're in for a battle to stay up. Um, the most significant revenue stream that the club has is the TV money, so they need to be in the Premier League. And with this new deal coming out, if they can stabilise in the Premier League for until twenty twenty two they are going to grow massively. Their revenue stream is going to grow massively. And that's and Mike Ashley's a businessman at the end of the day and will know that. Um, so I think that's probably what's prompted a slight change of feeling and that's what will make me feel a little bit more positive that it, that it could get done. Um, but, you know, I, we've been here before and that's why that's why people are a little bit sceptical. And, and it's been a year of frustration and broken promises. So... I completely understand why people feel Because, that. I mean, a striker is key, though. If we get to 31st of January, obviously it's Burnley at home, and no one's come in, then the atmosphere on the ground is going to be quite uh, a nervous one. And if Newcastle don't get a striker in, then it's going to be the challenge that Benitez has is going to be 10 times as tough. Yeah, we had a similar situation last January. The QPR game was actually the day after the, the transfer deadline, but... You could just feel the frustration around St James's Park when Townsend hadn't arrived. We'd spoken to Rafa the day before on transfer deadline day in the afternoon. At that stage, he was confident that the Townsend was going to happen. There was Newcastle quite confident at that stage Townsend was going to happen. It didn't, and so you had a manager going into the game clearly frustrated. His interview afterwards showed that the the ground was frustrated because Newcastle going to tie a window without signing someone. Now. The focus is on a striker, it's what they've needed for, it's not just since the summer, they've needed a proven Premier League goal scorer for three years probably, if not more. 
Um, so if they go into that game without a striker, there is going to be a lot of negativity around. And so, it, it, as I've made the point before, I think if anything, a new signing, not just Kennedy, but a striker coming in, will just give a boost to everyone, no matter who it is. So not probably not no matter who it is. If it's like Chef Kikuchi, no offense, nice blue. But if if it's that sort of saying this, I don't mean. But any any striker signing is going to give everyone a bit of a lift, even before it goes on the pitch and does anything. It'll give St James's Park a lift for what is going to be a huge game next Wednesday. It'll give Rafa a lift. It'll give the entire squad a lift. It'll say to the other strikers, you need to prove yourself if you're going to get in ahead of whichever player this is. And that that's where a lot of the frustration has come from in the last twelve months because you've had a manager making it quite clear he hasn't got enough. Not that he just wants signings; every manager wants additional players, but that he just hasn't quite got enough. He didn't have enough. He keeps saying that he believes they're going to steal, but then in, in the next sentence he says that we need other signings, which is almost <laughs> contradictory in itself, and it it creates this atmosphere which is picked up by the fans who are educated themselves and go to the games. They see, they understand that, that the teams lack a goal scorer. Mm. It needs that. And as I say, I think it's just psychologically, if anything, bringing someone in will give the lift before even what they do on the pitch. I reckon the, I reckon what would be really interesting is if they do get the striker in the next few days, which would, which would be great, then it creates this, this fresh possibility as well then of Rafa spinning, you know, spinning plates, wheeling and dealing, because then you've got a really interesting situation with Mitrovic, I think, where they could then conceivably do a loan deal with a permanent for Mitrovic if they can then get somebody else in as well. So you might see a decent turnover if they can get the one striker in that, that, that Rafa wants. John Joe Shelby, um, the West Ham end, are really still talking that up as a possibility. I don't think Newcastle are really encouraging that massively, but the West Ham end clearly feel there's a chance of that happening because um, Rafa's basically said he wants, you know, Shelby's played the last few games and, um, you know, and is, has been involved and so I think it's probably you know, more likely than not you'll stay but I do think you've got the chance then of, of really you know, a decent turnover of players and, and starting to lay a few foundations for the summer as well because the, you know, if they sign a player in, if they do sign a striker then potentially it would be somebody you know, permanently with a view to next season and the season beyond and it would be a long term deal somebody could come in and make a difference for the next few years and that, that's how Rafa sold it to the board I think so, you know, it could be a few interesting few, few final days. You know, the worry is that it all fizzles out in the next few days. It, it kind of, you know, and then they get a bit desperate and it becomes like, right, three or four days. The good thing is, of course, it's FA Cup this weekend. So, um, you know, there's probably a bit less pressure on Newcastle because the, the FA Cup game is a bit of a free hit in a lot of ways because nobody's expecting them to go to Chelsea and win. It may be a different situation if they were at home to a... Championship or League One club because I think people would really want them to go for it then I think people would understand if they lost this weekend um, but that Burnley game was absolutely huge and you know like Chris said it's the mood it changes transfers can be transformative and you know I, I don't necessarily get the obsession with them from you know from a lot of people now it feels like you know as soon as one transfer window ends everybody's saying well we need more players we need more players and Newcastle have signed a lot of players in the last five six years Um they have signed a lot of players. Turnover has been huge, but it does feel like they need that. They need that first little kick on, and then they can then they can move on. Just picking up on Mitrovic, I just if they're saying a striker, I, I don't see on Mitrovic is here come the end of the window. Yeah. I think they'll certainly try and get it. He's not. Yes, he's had the back injury over the, over the last month, but I don't think Benitez has really seen that as as much of a 
of a negative really because that it just meant the question hasn't really been there. I went and asked about Mitrovic on Friday. You could see he was he was frustrated about that because he's just say oh he, he, he's fit, but I'm not saying at that point he wasn't disclosing whether he was going to be on the squad or not, which is is totally is right. I just think that it's a situation where Mitrovic wants to go. Ideally, Benitez would would want rid of him. He just can't at the moment let him go because they haven't got a player in. But there is interest on loan. And I think that Newcastle will try and, and, and even take that option if necessary as long as someone else comes in first because I think it is turning into, I wouldn't say it's a, a toxic situation, but it's just a situation which I think breeds unnecessary negativity and draws folks away from the situation. I think it's better, best for Mitrovic and Newcastle if he goes this window if possible. He, he will want to go because he's got to play some games before the World Cup and that's now his... Mitrovic's focus I think is the World Cup because he wants to be in that squad and I think he's more than likely to be in that squad or whatever but he knows that if he doesn't play you know there's some other good players in Serbia have got some other good strikers and you know he, he needs to play and um, you It's know, in Newcastle's interest from the, as well because even if it is a loan with view to a permanent or whatever or just a loan deal if he then goes and, and plays well at the World Cup they're more likely yeah. to be able to get money from him in the summer as well no matter what he does the World Cup, I don't yeah. think it's going to change Rafa's opinion of him. But that, that, that means Newcastle might be able to recoup all of, or at least most of the, the money they paid for him initially. So I think it is in Newcastle's interest. I think it's in everyone's interest that he goes out on loan. I'd still love to see him, you know, figure factored in somewhere, but it's just not going to happen, which is a shame, really, because he's, you know, it did feel, it does feel like, you know, I mean, I know Jocelyn played on Saturday and he did well against Swansea when he came on. But he really didn't affect the game at all on on Saturday. You wouldn't expect him to in that in the way that Newcastle played. But you know, it might have been nice to see Mitrovic in that kind of situation. Would it be? It would he have affected the game anymore? Would it, and this isn't a thick slight Mitrovic. Would any would any striker in the, playing in the system that Newcastle were? I think, I think Mitrovic rattles defenders a lot more than Jocelyn or Dwight Gill does. I think. But against a Man, uh, I, know th- I mean against a Man City team though, where Newcastle scored, th- Newcastle had no, thirteen no, percent scored against. Scored at the Etihad before. Chris. Uh, it was a brilliant header. I was in the front. No, of the not city in a game where Newcastle had thirteen percent possession. Uh, they didn't. They weren't. They weren't. They were up against it for most of that game, well, and he scored twice. For to the me, first half, for the first half an hour of that game, I was at the Etihad. For the first half an hour of the game, Mitrovic and Newcastle were all excellent. I have yeah. no problem with saying that, but I don't. I think it would have been a very different story on Saturday. A because it was against Man City this Man City now B the way that Newcastle are playing and C because Mitrovic would have gone into the game having not played at all for weeks well, Mitch, and with no sort of form at all it'd so. be different now because then Mitrovic felt loved was played regularly was you know had massive confidence now he's basically been run down for the past oh he has and I'm, I'm not saying he hasn't but I just think um, that, that, that I, I just don't buy the idea that if Mitrovic would have played instead of Hossley on Saturday I don't, I don't think it would I, I don't think it would have made a difference who played up front not even Newcastle players bringing more strikers in the Premier League playing the way Newcastle were in the mm-hmm. possession Newcastle had I don't think it would have made a difference who yeah. up front just hey, I, I just affected the game I just feel like you know and, and, and I understand like you know look Rafa's ruthless at the end of the day and he's been very ruthless with, with Mitrovic and it's had a massive impact on Mitrovic's career I, I think you know although you do hear little bits and pieces about Mitrovic being a little bit sulky behind the scenes, um, as he, you know, I would be if I was kind of, you know, rested as much as as he's been. I don't think he's. Do you think he's been unfairly treated? I, I don't think he's been unfairly treated because he's caused a lot of the problems himself, but through his lack of discipline and not, you know, he hasn't learned. I think Rafa liked him when he first came in, didn't he? Because he played him week in week out, um, and you know, Mitrovic caused the problems with the with the red card against Tottenham which was stupid but 
you know, I think he had chances in the in the championship, but he he would play a one bad game or a couple of bad games and and be yanked out of the team. Whereas other players, you know, were were seemed to get more chances, seemed to get more chances, and it's just Rafa doesn't fancy him, and that's why he should have gone in the summer. That's why you know, and Rafa thinks that as well. But it's it's bad for the the player himself. You know, we talk, you know, no player is bigger than Newcastle United, but um, I think. When he came on against West Brom and seemed to affect the game then, for then, didn't play at all, did he, the week after? And that was like, I mean, what more can he do? There was a game, and this is, and this is not me, I'm saying much, because he did have a bit of an impact. Getting a fan, you're not a fan. Well, but, no, but in, fan. in the game where, and I heard this from a lot of people on, on Twitter about what, what Mitrovic did at West Brom. I was at the West Brom game away. He came on, and yeah, he ran around a lot. He didn't have a shot. He didn't. He didn't look like scoring. He didn't. And yeah, you can say, well, well, he's doing all. The, that's what Hosselu gets praised for. I was going to say, no, no, no. And that is completely fair enough. But I just think that. Yeah, I, I know. I, I already admit, I'm not. I'm not Mitrovic's biggest fan by any stretch. But at the same time, I. No matter, we can have this debate as many times as yeah, everyone wants. Good. It's not going to change what Rafa thinks of him. We've had it yeah. 15, 20 times. Rafa's answered the question 100 times. Yeah. And that's, it, it, it's almost like the takeover situation. It just seems yeah. to be never ended. Point, it needs it? to be resolved. And because, because, we, because, we tr- because we trust and we like Rafa and we think that he's a really, really good manager, you just go with him on that. And, and I do, you know, I do think, oh, you know, you say you haven't got enough players and you've got an international striker who's been doing really well in the qualifiers on the bench who you won't play. But, you know, it's Rafa Benitez who's done really well for Newcastle United. He hasn't got left back and Madara's um, been on the bench last yeah, week. Well, exactly, exactly. But because it's Rafa and because, you know, he's a man of integrity and he's done really, really well for Newcastle so far, you, you know, you do accept it. And that's the beauty of having a good manager, isn't it? It renders a lot of these debates. But you mentioned the ill-discipline. We have pushed over this question a few times but uh, Shelby left the, the Swansea game without shaking the hand of Benitez obviously it's all been dealt with but that had been Mitrovic you know the case would have been a bit mm. different perhaps so how can Mitrovic's ill-discipline be kind of signed off that's it that's it done story well, don't, over and Shelby I, to be honest the ill-discipline wouldn't be as much of a factor if Rafa rated him as a player but he doesn't rate him as a player so um, or he don't, not that he doesn't rate him as a player but he doesn't rate him as, as his kind of player I think Rafa's kind of, it's not that, you know, he knows that he might sell somebody and he might go off and do really well elsewhere, but he's like, well, I wouldn't use him. You know, like he brings in some players who maybe like the Kieran Clark thing, who maybe aren't doing as well elsewhere, but then he gets into them as a coach, gets him in a system that he wants and he looks a much better player. And it's like, you know, that's that's Rafa, isn't it? And and if you, you know, I think he likes, he likes Shelby as a player because he thinks he can, he can, play basically and he thinks he's you know can do bits and pieces and stuff but I'm not sure he's entirely sold on Shelby all the time I think Mikel Marino would be the number one midfield uh, choice in that role if Marino had been fit and had a bit more experience but um, it's just simply that isn't it and, and he's not saying that Mitro isn't a good player and he's not saying that Mitro isn't a you know isn't a kind of compelling sort of option for somebody because he clearly is, because he can score goals. But, um, you know, that, that, that's the top and bottom of it, isn't it? He doesn't think he's a Rafa player. If a big enough bid came in and a replacement was guaranteed of the same quality, would you sell Shelby to West Ham? Or to anybody who came with a bid? Uh, yeah, if the replacement was as, as good, yeah. yeah. I just don't see it happen. I don't see... Well, people keep saying this, and, I, and I, I, again, I'm not, I'm not Shelby's biggest fan, but I don't see 
I think you can affect games more. I don't think he gets in the game enough, but I don't see this happening. Where where is this other player that people keep talking about? When Newcastle needs need, need him to do so much business, they haven't done any by January twenty third, mm. which hopefully he's going to change today when Kennedy comes in. Where is this other player? Who who is going to do that? Who's got Premier League experience like Shelby? I just don't see. I think there's too much that needs to happen for it to go through unless West Ham come in with an astronomical bid that Newcastle can't really say no to. I just don't I just don't see it happen. Now just a quick message from our sponsors. Today's podcast is brought to you by Powerhouse Fitness Newcastle, your home fitness store where you can save up to fifty percent off home fitness equipment in their biggest ever sale. No longer will you need to feel the unnerving sensation of another man's body heat on your saddle, sheepishly move weights under the gaze of the local beefcake or put up with that atrocious gym music. You can support the podcast by visiting the Newcastle Powerhouse Fitness Store on Percy Street or their website at www.powerhouse-fitness.co.uk where right now you can save hundreds of pounds on treadmills, exercise bikes, weights, nutrition and home gym packages. And talking of potential exits, uh, Frankie Durham on Facebook asks, is anyone interested in Jack Callback? Is he just in the wilderness? Well, this is an interesting <laughs> one because someone brought him up the other day and I... I hadn't even so thought cool. of him for a couple of weeks because he, uh, but um, I mean there is tentative interest from some championship clubs, but I think it's another one where the case of in the summer, the last few days, teams registered interest because that's when they miss out on their top targets or when they realise that if they get an injury in midfield in the championship, whatever, they'll come in. So I think there will be championship, possibly even League One interest coming in the next week or two. But it's really down to callback as to whether he wants to go or not and. He didn't in the summer. Yeah, he was stubborn enough in the summer, wasn't he? And, and again, you know, like I don't think necessarily Colback's done a, an awful lot wrong. It was quite interesting, the Tim Cruel interview, wasn't it? Where he said that Rafa basically excommunicated him and thought, and you know, he, he thought it was wrong. I think that's what's happened with Colback. So, you know, sometimes he's ruthless, is Rafa. Nice guy, full of, you know, a lot of integrity, but if he doesn't fancy you, you are not getting back into that team. The likes of uh, Mbemba, Savier, are we thinking they're going to stop, they're going to go? I think Mbemba will, st- I think Mbemba will stay, I think Savier probably go, um, Mbemba will stay I think. I think well, Savier is, is an interesting one because he's, he's someone who Rafa actually quite likes, he likes him as both a player and a, a person but for whatever reason he just doesn't seem to think he quite fits into to the Premier League team, obviously he came in at West Ham, did well-ish by all accounts. I mean, I was there, but but I mean, in terms of he, he got the he got the goal, gave away the mistake, and I think there was there a lot of people said because of the way he scored the goal that he put in a brilliant performance. I don't think it was quite that. He'd been decent, he'd been efficient, but then he was on the bench. He's been on the bench a couple of times since, but most of the time hasn't even been in around the squad. And Bemba similar. He's had, he's had a couple of niggly injuries, but Bemba can find himself out of the squad. It is interesting how how he manages some of these players. He, he, Doing wrong, he's done throughout his career and it's worked well in terms of his record. But you, you do wonder sometimes whether what a player's done to suddenly go from being in the mm. team to being completely out of it. So, yeah, I think Savvy, if a decent offer comes in, he, he could well go because he too wants to push to be in the, the World Cup squad. Uh, and Bember, I think, is unlikely again unless they were to get a, a replacement, which is to say, by the time. We are doing this now. Is less. There's barely a week left. Just a week left. I think it's unlikely that they're going to get someone else in. Correct. And a few more uh, questions from the listeners. We've got Chris all the way from Australia, who asks, "Do we think Ashley wanted to sell before Christmas, or was it to gain some interest?" Um, regarding like the kind of new TV deal and just kind of um, string it out a bit. I think he did. Yeah, I think he did want to sell before Christmas, but 
he wanted to sell at his price and I don't think he anybody came close to that so I think he did yeah I, I mean you know again we're getting into this thing aren't we of like it's a really like meta discussion if you will about like oh well, what do you, you know I don't trust anything that Ashley said okay well if you're in that situation then you'll never believe you know you won't believe that he wanted to sell you won't believe that or you will think all this takeover stuff was just a complete distraction and was you know but I don't see why there would be any point in in that you know they've knocked down plenty of transfer plenty of takeover stories in the past Ashley himself has knocked it down saying he didn't want to sell um, but I, did, I do think he did want to sell before Christmas he wanted he wanted it you know sold it was at the start of the season when it was going to be more valuable now it's gone down in value because they're in a relegation fight um, it's a rare asset isn't it a Premier League football club that decreases in value during the season if the team aren't doing very well he'll have another crack at selling it if they're in the Premier League in the summer um, because there'll be the TV deal and Newcastle will be assured of their Premier League status. So, you know, the Amanda Stavely stuff last week was great, but he's not going to sell before the end of the season, especially not if he invests in January. Why would he? Because then he'll feel like, well, I've done my bit. Um, and then we get to the summer and maybe revisit it then. But it's not, you know, it was, I think he wanted to sell in, uh, before Christmas because it felt like it would be a high bid. He didn't get the bid that he wanted, so he's just going to say, right, sit on it now and see if I can get see if I can get a bid in the um, in the summer." And what did you make of all the Amanda Staley stuff? Obviously, with the Times and then with the, the National. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was, you know, it was great to read from there and a brilliant story by by George Culkin who got the story. You know, really impressive. But um, I thought that it was interesting that there'd been a piece knocking her. It was in the Guardian, and then they chose to do do the interview as it, you know, they chose to do that interview in the Times and in the National to basically answer a few of those questions. So it was a she had a PR blinder last week, really, in a lot of ways because she knew that people were calling her a time waster. She doesn't look like a time waster to me. That's all I'll say. She definitely doesn't. I've heard of some of the due diligence that she's done, um, which includes like talking to the council, the leader of the Newcastle Council, City Council talking to the Falcons um, about ways that Newcastle United could better interact with the other sports clubs. She doesn't appear like a time waster to me. She appears like somebody who's very serious about wanting Newcastle United. Um, and she's willing to weaponise the fans and the media as well um, to play kind of Mike Ashley's own game in a way. And Fair enough, you know, I think the intentions of all, everybody are going to get a lot of, there's going to be so much scrutiny around that over the next few weeks because she has tried to take over a football club before and it hasn't worked. But I think um, she seems very credible to me. She seems like she's got a lot of ideas for Newcastle United. She's going to need to find somebody to back her up because there's a lot of money that she's going to necessarily put on the table there. And I don't think she's got that money herself, despite what her cheerleaders might say. Um, on Twitter and what have you she doesn't have £500 million to spend on a football club and then have enough money to go and do her other business interests I don't think she's got that kind of money at all but she does have people who she knows who might who will back the club so you know she looks serious to me and she looks fresh and as if she's got ideas and if Mike Ashley isn't going to sell to her then he either needs to sell to somebody else who's got those ideas or he needs to come up with a plan himself um, and he hasn't really shown much interest in doing that. Let's hope that maybe this transfer window kind of intrigue might potentially be um, 
first signs that he might have some kind of interest, but I'm not holding my breath. I'm not holding my breath. I think he needs to sell. And I think it looked to me like Amanda Staveley was somebody with, a, with some vision, some form of vision. Definitely interested in Newcastle, not a time waste. She's not in it for publicity, I don't think. Chris, do you think that's the last of the takeover that we've heard until the, the TV deal is announced? Potentially. I mean, I hope, it, first, from a personal point of view, to a certain extent, I do hope so. I think it's it's just become tiresome. The the win, that then coming into this January transfer window, which had been tiresome for 23 days, hopefully that's just about to change. The whole thing just fell, from, from all sides, from from the Mike Ashley side, from the Newcastle side, from, from the, the, the Amanda Staveley side, all of it's been tiring and, and really this, you get spin from all ends and, and it's difficult to, to be in the middle of all that and try and work out what is what is spin, what is truth, is it something in between, do, do, you, even, well, do you even know what, where things are standing at that moment in time and I think that once it came to a point where they, they knew anyone knew that if they bought the club, they couldn't possibly affect the January transfer window. It became unlikely the club was going to be sold in the short term because what would be the point in buying it at a point where you you haven't had anything to do with January? You then want to see in the next six months whether the club survives, and then therefore you've got the TV deal. So I think we're more likely to see after the TV deals announced, which could be next month. If not, it'll be it'll be March, and then towards the end of the, the season depending on where Newcastle find themselves and what is a very tight bottom half of the Premier League, then we'll know more about whether the takeover is going to happen or not. Fantastic. And on to um, the FA Cup, obviously. Um, it's, it's it's an interesting game, like Mark kind of said, it's a free hit in many ways, but Rafa will still want to go out there and, and obviously win and get, get through the next round. Yeah, I'm really not sure how he's going to approach this one in terms of his team, because... In the third round, he didn't have a game until the following week. This time he does. It's Sunday as well. It's been moved to the Sunday. They play on Wednesday. Um, possibly what happens in the transfer market over the next few days might affect his team selection on Sunday because if he doesn't get the players he wants in the next few days, then is he going to use it to be a bit political, the team? Because it was last year on this this corresponding weekend at, at, at Oxford, the team he put out, the likes of Yasin Ben Elmani and Curtis Good and yeah, Dan Barley's that played last year I don't think it'll be quite as weakened a team and also I think Chelsea can be actually got at if Chelsea put out a reserve team mm-hmm. Norwich got at them in two games I think that, that there is actually a bit of a chance for Newcastle there um, so yeah as I, say, I don't really know how he's going to approach it we know Kennedy can't play for two reasons A he can't play against his parent club B he's already played in the FA Cup so he won't play on, on Sunday means we might see his debut next Wednesday at St James's Park he's got a week to, to get integrated but the, the team selection Benitez makes it, it will be very interesting to see because we didn't see Matt Ritchie and DeAndre Edlin start at the weekend Mancure went off with a bit of an injury so I don't know if that will affect things but possibly we could see the likes of those players start instead um, and Ben Buffy's back fit Mitrovic so hasn't gone yet the squad's not the squad it's never been a problem has it necessarily the squad isn't that deep because he does have replacements who are of the same level pretty much but the problem is just not enough quality so actually he plays a weakened team let's say against Chelsea like you said you could have Mbemba in there Mitrovic up front potentially um, or Gale because Gale and Jocelyn have kind of got this thing Perez even Marino um, will get him some fitness Marino you know I think it'll be you know he hasn't really got a lot of the kids to play I mean you know he's not going to play Elmani as he did last time Finley's away on loan Bollies is on loan Sterry 
well, potentially, but maybe not. Colback's not going to play. You know, you've got it. It's going to be a, a not a not a significantly weakened to the point where it's oh, you know, they've, they've waved the white flag kind of team. Um, it's just a shame, really, that, that there's not a week in between the two two fixtures. And I think the Premier League, you know, have playing a part in weakening the the FA Cup because by having that midweek fixtures. But I suppose it's the one weekend, it's the one week where I suppose they're saying that they can have it with finishing the season early for the World Cup. Um, but it's a shame, really, because it, it forces a lot of managers to play you know, some quite diff- different teams. But I think Newcastle's team will be OK. You know, I mean, Norwich, Norwich ran them close. Chelsea aren't playing that well at the moment, are they? You'll put out a full-strength team you'd have thought against Arsenal there as well before on Sunday, so you could, you could then yeah. decide to rest on Sunday rather than they got rocked by Leicester uh, he was injured as well which he's missing tomorrow he's just announced yeah. in his press conference so yeah, they said Chelsea are vulnerable but it is all about how Newcastle set up and yeah. do you think Benitez will kind of set up in the same way he did against City and try and absorb the pressure and then break on the counter I think that I don't think he'll be quite as defensive as he was against Man City I don't think Chelsea are as as good as an attacking force um, it'll be interesting how he does set up though because when he when they played away at, at Stamford Bridge he did play with five at the back but they went for it but they went yeah, they, for it they early went, they went for yeah. it early and Chelsea can be got out, out, out wide in those positions and it's difficult to counter their three at the back without playing that system yourself if you're not playing three at the back and that's why I think Kennedy's so important because it gives Newcastle more flexibility to be able to do that they've got a left wing back obviously he can't play this weekend but it'll be interesting if Benitez does do something similar and have a bit of a go, get the likes of Gale back into the team and see if he can get Gale a goal. Um, and yeah, I think he will have a bit. I don't think he'll go, I'm not saying he's going to go gung-ho, but I think he will have a be be more positive than they were for the first hour at, at Man City. In score predictions, Mark, are you confident of seeing Newcastle? I think, Ch- I think Chelsea will probably go through, but um, I, I think I'd like to see Newcastle sort of have a go at it. You know, I think they, And I think they could. And... Um, uh, it'd be brilliant to be in the fifth round, but having beaten Chelsea, I think I think they can have a board as well because it's it's not it's not like a, a league game where I know, I know you can say oh well if they get hammered then it could have an effect on on the league in terms of psychology, but it's not going to affect the goal difference if they go there. And you may as well go and have a, have a bit of a go and see if you can if you can build a bit of confidence that way. Mm, yeah, I mean, you could potentially play a team with um, Marino, Lejeune, and uh, Bemba, good players. You know, I, I think probably players you've got a shout of. Of playing, um, played for Newcastle week in week out. Richie, um, you know Atsu or Murphy. You know it, it. It could be a good. It could be a good side to get the ghost to the ghost to Chelsea. And, you know Newcastle have um, not been in too bad a form. They've, okay, they've lost twice to Man City, um, which is you know you would expect. But they actually second half played okay against Man City, didn't they? They were, you know, it's a t- that's a tough game. I don't think anybody will beat Man City at home. This season, certainly not from the bottom half of the table, but you know they need to start finding a way of beating the teams in the top half because you've seen Swansea did it yesterday. Southampton took a point off Spurs. Um, it, it, they're going to need to do that if they're going to stay up. So you know, good good chance to have a free hit. But let's just enjoy it. That's the point of the cup, isn't it? Go there and dream. Newcastle are on TV. Newcastle will be well backed. I'm I'm looking forward to it, actually. I think it should be a decent decent game. Score prediction: two on Chelsea. 2-0 Chelsea. 
So positive two. <laughs> well, I'm points. positive enough. Yeah, I'm positive enough. Wow, well, I, I think Newcastle probably will get beat two one. But then I wasn't. It was the, the positivity that. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, more po- I'm more positive about Newcastle on Sunday than I am about Bradford going to Rotherham tonight. Yeah, I think everyone just fell asleep yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. I think it was um, turned off. <laughs> <laughs> we'll finish with just a final question. I know me and Chris were talking about, and it's from uh, from Jamie on Twitter, who's asking. What research do you have to do in terms of sources? Obviously, with the takeover, there was a lot of fallout and um, a lot of criticism, unfairly, I think, on journalists across the board. And he's just asking, like, how does it work? How would you tr- find a trusted source and how do you trust what they're saying? As I was saying earlier, to you, both sides will, will and all sides, sorry, there's, there's more than two sides to this. There's the Newcastle side, there's the Mike Ashley side, which is slightly different, there's the Amanda Stavely side, and even within those camps, there's, there's different sides to it you've got as, as journalists you, you've got to approach all sides as, as much as you can try try and find people who, who have the information or have access to to the information and if they they will give you some information before you would ever print it you would you would try and find out and verify that and then and then over time that can become a bit more reliable source but in these sorts of situations the problem you're going to have spin from all sides it, it's trying to trying to work out what the noise is and where where you are trying to get the lay of the land and to a certain extent, that that's when I say spin, that it isn't even necessarily always deliberate spin. That can be that just from their point of view, that's their understanding of the situation. That that might be what they know. And and for a lot of these stories, particularly one this big, when you're dealing with someone like Mike Ashley, who it's very difficult to get any sort of direct access to, because you're not actually getting the information firsthand from him, you have to just trust the sources that you're getting it from. And if you don't think they're trustworthy, then obviously you don't. Tr- printed off you're not sure in that regard and it's about verifying the information on both sides seeing what you can get and, and then trying to, to make out what is just noise and what actually is the truth in all this and, and there's, there's been bits along the line from, from all of us where by maybe some of the information we've got hasn't turned out to be what, what the situation is at that moment but you, you trust your own sources you you've tried to verify them in the past and, it, and it's not necessarily a case of, of that you were wrong to have written what you did right it's just that, that as I say these, this is such a complex negotiation unless you're there in the room it's all you've just got to filter through and see what you can get from that and extract as much truth as possible I thought it was interesting that Amanda Stavely actually when she did the interview confirmed a lot of the stuff that's been written by you know by us as sources close to or sources close to the, the the two camps and, and and that's what I thought was you know was quite interesting last week was that basically she was saying and you know, look this is true I have had a beard you know she she went and, and proved it you know in 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 that in that sort of case what you know what what are you meant to do we're, we're getting it from the the source of the person effectively is you know the person's actually saying it um, doesn't didn't want to be quoted at the time because it felt like it was um, I'm not saying it was Amanda Stavely who was briefing us by the way but I'm saying that you know this is cast iron yet it's being disputed by the other side well god it's really difficult and I hope people at least got an idea last week of why it has been a confusing and difficult process but um, it's similar with transfers you know it's very similar with transfers I've written you know several times uh, you know deal is close or they're interested in this player and it hasn't necessarily come off but it's, it's it has been you know it has been spot on the, where the information's come from, um, and it, it's a difficult, you know, it's difficult now. I think, I think in in the past, I think there were a lot less, there were a lot less people um, scrapping over stories. You could get a day if you would to go away and 
see where the land lays and write it and it would go in the newspaper the next day whereas now thanks to sky sports news and various things we've got minute almost minute by minute um updates and things i remember coming back i remember speaking basically to somebody very very high up at newcastle united about loric remy when he when he came to newcastle from uh, he was in france i've forgotten the club he was playing for um but that deal was done he was on the plane to newcastle he was coming well he went to london in the end but he was they'd agreed it he was qpr came in at the last minute willie mckay was his agent qpr came in and gazumps newcastle and that was you know complete shocked it the very top people at newcastle united but we wrote it i think the day before went in with remy to sign it's all done it's all done and dusted and it, you know that is what can happen sometimes in journalism but you have to be look if we were just making things up and just didn't have any contacts whatsoever um you know we wouldn't uh, we nobody in this building would feel confident or would feel happy doing that you know if it's a gossip or if it's a rumor we put it in the live blog sometimes or we um write it as gossip and badge it up as gossip um and i think sometimes that's where people kind of you know get a bit frustrated with us because but that's the media environment now is that we you know we people come to us for everything that's been written about newcastle united so we do sometimes run gossip but if it's done by chris myself yourself andrew or lee and we're happy to stick our neck on the line and and say right this is us we've got we've had it either multiply sourced or it's come from a very good source um and that's the situation with lee's story yesterday i think and you know, I feel for Lee and I feel for Chris because I know I get it myself sometimes as well. Um, it, it, it's not easy. It's People are frustrated with Newcastle United and we um, sometimes get a little bit of stick. But I think, you know, we, we always will answer the questions and sometimes I kind of have to walk away from conversations. And I'm sure Chris and Lee are the same because you feel like it, it becomes a little bit it's difficult to justify to people on Twitter and, and you know, because we can't name the source because then the source won't come back to us with yeah. more information. And it might be that the source is trying to help you out, trying to help the fans out by letting them know a little bit of what's going on. But then if you turn it around and say, well, my source was this X, Y, Z, he gets into trouble, maybe loses his job, he, she loses their job or says, I can't give you any more information anymore because you've betrayed me as a, as a source. And so it's really difficult. It's, I know that doesn't always make sense to people um, at home and they'd always rather have what we had last week, which was Amanda Staveley coming out and backing up the interview that she'd given. But to me, that was a pretty desperate last bid to show that she was serious and, um, you know, we don't often get to that situation. And but just just from last week, just to show how difficult the whole, the whole story's been, and this is not meant to be having a go at the Ashley side because I think we've had it f- from both sides, but on the, on the Tuesday when all, when there was the leak from the source close to Ashley, it was that there wasn't any bids on the table. Amanda Stavely comes out, does an interview on Thursday night, says these are the three bids I put in, and then the response is, oh, but there's never been a bid which hasn't had all the clauses in it. So, well, which one is it then? It, 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 this is a difficult, this is the misinformation, as people are saying, and why are you printing this? Well, we try and find out as much as we can what the truth is, what the situation is at that moment in time, but we're not the actual people in control of, of the situation. We're trying to source it. We're not Mike Ashley or Manisteri mm-hmm. themselves, and at the end of the day, they are the ones who, who know exactly what is going on. It's a delicate and complicated mm-hmm. story as this, unfortunately, that... It's, you're, you're trying to just report what you can and what you can find out. And we have ongoing requests, by the way, to speak to Amanda Staveley, Mike Ashley, Lee Charnley and Justin Barnes. We've asked to speak to all of those people. Um, 
and you know it's up to the club whether they want to they have they did grant us an audience with Lee Charnley I, I did it as the only time he's ever spoken but um, so they do do it sometimes so I'm not giving up on it but when we are pushing that, it for when was that that was 2015 yeah. yeah 2015 and um, he was actually quite good but I think what happened at the time was and this is the other thing that happens which I think sometimes the club you know feel they can't win because when they do then put Lee Charnley up answers a load of questions and gets absolutely slated for it and you know fair enough because some of the stuff he said didn't you know people were like that's that's not so the club are a little bit sensitive about that and they feel like you know Mike Ashley they say well Mike Ashley has done an interview did an interview with Sky and you slagged it off so why would he want to come and speak to you because you'll just say he's not telling the truth it's it's dealing with very small number of people who know what's going on so you have to be very you have to box a little bit clever retain your integrity to be able to criticise what those people are saying so you don't want to get too close in because I know a lot of people say go back to the days of our predecessors who were very in with the club and very in with Freddie Shepherd um, to the point where Freddie Shepherd would sometimes ring here to say I'm going to sack a manager get your back page ready brilliant that's great but it means that you then can't slag off Freddie Shepherd because if you do you lose that you lose that contact would you rather be in the situation that we may be in where we've, I think we've got some really good contacts here, but maybe not um, that kind of relationship with the club? Well, you know, I don't know. I'd say, I would say probably you're in a better position where you can retain a little bit of distance so that you're not effectively doing the bidding of the person who runs the football club. Because if you do do that, then you can't be as critical as we sometimes are on this podcast. <laughs> well, there we have it. a lovely little insight into how it all works if you head over to chroniclelive.co.uk we'll bring you all the latest Newcastle United news transfer uh, updates and of course uh, Benitez's press conference later this week thank you very much thank you very much for listening please remember to like subscribe and share the podcast whether that be through iTunes Audio Boom, Spotify or whichever platform you may be listening through and if you want to get involved with the podcast, you can do so via our social media channels. We're over on Twitter at Chronicle NUFC and on Facebook at the same handle, Chronicle NUFC. We want your questions, your topics, your feedbacks. So why don't you drop us a line and get in touch?